Amen. All right. Wow. Well, we, like Eric said, we are super excited that you're here. Uh, we've been praying for you guys all week. And uh, my prayer is always that God will bring the people here that need to hear what he's telling me I need to communicate. So I'm super excited that you're here. Um, I'm, we're going to talk about some exciting stuff. And uh, is it up there yet? Oh, yeah, it is. So uh, I'm going to talk about crazy busy. Okay. Can anyone relate to this message? Right. Okay. Good. I, I, I was hearing the Lord. This is the right topic, you know. So I mean, just uh, just one thing. If you're here, you're not a Christian. Um, we we welcome you here. You can sit back and relax and feel comfortable. There are people in here who have done way worse things than you, you know, and they they have God has forgiven them. He can forgive you. And uh, we're excited you're here in this message I'm going to give today. Um, it's really directed to people who who are Christians. Um, so in a sense, if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. And you can just relax and just listen and go, okay, that's cool. If you're a Christian, you're in here today, you're a Christian, you're on the hook for what I'm going to share today. Okay? So let's talk about crazy busy. So, Andy, what's up, man? How are you? Good. Good. Ali, how are you? Hi. Good. How are you? Good? good? How are you? Good. Jean, good. See, I used to say that. I used to say good. Fine sometimes. Sometimes I'd say I'm tired, right? Right? <laughs> You know, but in a public setting like this, I said, good, I'm good. Uh, but something happened, I think, I want to say just maybe in the last three years. Um, I took a manager job, uh, managing a team. Then I accepted a second team. So then I'm managing two teams. You know, my daughter went off to college, got my son's things going that he's doing. My youngest daughter, you know, now she's heading to college this fall. You know, just all the activity in that. And somewhere, somewhere in the last three years, my answer changed. And now when people ask me how I am, I say, busy. And then I started seeing, after the second team I took for the manager thing, I started saying, crazy busy. Sometimes it was insanely busy. Occasionally someone would ask me and I would say, I have no idea. You know, I haven't checked in for a while. Can I get back to you on that? I don't know. I really don't know how I am because I've been doing this. You know, and it's, it's this time of insane activity. I don't know, like everybody started drinking monster energy drinks, whole society, and we thought we could just cram more in our life, right? And that, um, I talked about this situation with my mom last week where she came here and she she came from Ryan's graduation, but she broke her femur in my in the restroom two in the morning, and uh, she went to the hospital. And I talked about that, and then I was greeting uh, the following week, and, and people were sharing with me. You guys were sharing with me your stories of crazy busy. Um, you, you've experienced something like that. Um, one person told me, you know, I felt like I was I needed to wear a fire suit to the office because I was putting out fires all week. It's just been insane, right? This insanity stuff that's going on. And the question I'm asking, so let, me, let me just give you a little bit. Okay, so I took these two teams. I have the management stuff. So I'm responsible for everything. I manage 60 projects across these 11 people. I have staff in India. I have staff here. 
and I have that responsibility. I am on call all the time. Um, my daughter's college is coming up, so we've been trying to get our house on the market because uh, her college money's in the in the house in the equity. And the college is asking me, how are you going to pay for it? And I'm saying, well, I'm going to sell my house. And no, no, we just mean like monthly or one time. And I'm like, okay, sorry. I'm just, you know, all the stress. And so, you know, we were going to get it on the market. My goal was April 1st. Then it was May 1st. Then my mom fell and broke her femur. Okay, so now, now I'm at the hospital. I got the ambulance ride. Got pictures. You know, I haven't made a collage yet and posted it on Facebook, but I will. So when I get to it, okay, it's on my list. And, uh, you know, so I'm at, sleeping at the hospital and all that. She got released to a nurse, nursing facility for um, uh, rehab and all that stuff because she couldn't just be released to us. She's taking major drugs because she's, she's um, German and from Missouri. And, you know, they're giving her this stuff. And she's like, it still hurts. I'm like, you know, Mom, that's like eight times stronger than morphine, you know, <laughs> You're going to stop breathing if you, they give you any more, you know. So um, so we have that going. My sister came and has helped me, but I have to deal with all of that and the stuff that's going on there. And then on top of that, she was diagnosed with dementia around, I want to say, November, December. And um, so I, I keep my sisters, you know, I swear, these, you know, relatives, right? They're people you never make friends with. I think it's a phrase, right? So my three sisters gang up on me and say, you should be the one to take care of her finances because you have that IT job. You're smarter than us, right? So, like, the three of them stepped back, and I'm still standing there going, well, well. So I took over her finances. You know, we've had a late payment. It was my fault. It's 35 bucks because I didn't get it done in time. So I have that. So I'm, t- I'm doing that part to, to manage all of her finances, and we have all this medical stuff now that we're trying to do all of that. Trying to get the house on the market, all that, all of all of that is what's going on. And if if you hear most messages on crazy busy, they'll tell you you need to cut stuff. Right? If you're too busy, you need to eliminate things out of your out of your life, you know, out of your schedule. You're too busy. Well, my problem is, I, there's nothing I can cut. I don't have anything I can cut. And while I'm doing this, there are four other things that absolutely have to be done that can't get done. Right? And I can't I don't have time to delegate them even. And this is my struggle. So the question I'm asking myself is, you know, how do you get through how does a person get through this kind of schedule? How do we get through this kind of schedule? And my, my favorite thing to do when I'm in situations like this and other issues I face is for, for some of you it might sound crazy, but I go, I go to the Bible and I look for somebody who's dealing with what I'm dealing with, right? I want to find somebody because I have a choice to make. You know, when I'm standing in front of a nurse and she left my mom sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes, so my mom just, she's independent. She's like, why am I sitting here? I need to get up. You know, you broke your leg. You're supposed to wait. You know, she's not going to wait. My mom won't wait. You know, I'm standing in front of this nurse. I'm about to blast her because she did this. You know, those kinds of things. Right. You with me? So I have to I have to make 
the right decisions. I have to have something that's going to help me make good decisions. We do. We have to have that. Or we're going to end up careening our life off a cliff when we're in the insanity of crazy busy. So I wanted to find the person. I wanted to find the person. Who is it in the Bible who lived a crazy schedule, insane life? Okay, yeah, they didn't have cell phones. It was a sheep herd. or I don't, I don't care. Whatever it is, it's the same thing. And they were successful in their life. I want to find that person. And then I want to look at what they did. And I want to glean from it the good and the bad. Because, you know, I don't want to do that. didn't work out for you. I can see that here. Oh, yeah, better decision here. Yeah, I can do that. I'm going to apply, and I'm going to apply it to my life. So that's what the Bible's about. God's letter to us to help us and empower us to live the best life possible. Right? With him involved. And two weeks ago, we talked about perceived outcomes. I have so many potential perceived outcomes. You know, I'm going to look at my daughter in September, uh, August, late August, and say, sorry, honey, I don't know how you're going to pay for your college. My commitment that I made to you didn't happen. You know, I can run a lot of stuff. So, but I want a God-impacted outcome. So I'm going to pause all of that stuff. I'm going to invite God in. That was two weeks ago. We talked about all that. But So I, I, I found this person. I found this person in the Bible who lived this thing. And then it was so cool last week when um, Eric, or two weeks ago, Eric did that principle statement, remember? You know, it, however, if church is optional for you, then what was it? Now I just lost it out of my head. However, if church is optional for you, it'll have less. The more optional church is for you, the less impact it will have on you. Now, it's a great principle statement. Personally, I was thinking the more optional donuts were for me, the less impact they would have on me. But, <laughs> but it was a great statement. So I, I didn't want to just find this person and glean from it. I wanted to, have a, to get a principle statement out of it that I could apply to my life. And then I'd be in a, in, a, in a better shape to be able to do this stuff because I need something simple, right? When everything's going so fast, you know, you're ready to rubber stamp your life as unmanageable, right? We're, we're there. I need it quick. I need something simple that I can apply. So I found that person and I was able to get a principal statement out of it. So I'm really excited to be able to share this with you um, because... If you're in the same boat I'm in, this is really going to impact your life in a big way. In fact, in fact, this principle statement is so powerful that if you're dealing with depression, you may see your depression disappear. If you're dealing with despair, you may see your despair disappear. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, you may see your fear and anxiety disappear as you apply this to your life. It's awesome. So let's let's go there then. So the first, uh, the person I found, that some of you are going to laugh. I, I know you're already going to laugh. Some of the person I found who lived this kind of crazy busy schedule, lots of obstacles, was still successful. Was Jesus Christ? Like duh, you know. But look, get, cut me some slack, okay? I'm busy. Okay. So yeah. So. And how I found it was I stumbled onto this first. Now, if you don't, how many, how many smartphones in the building? Okay. All of you have smartphones, right? Okay. So if you have your smartphone, there's a Bible app, version, a couple olive tree, whatever. You need to get that on your phone. 
And then you need to set it up so that it buzzes you the verse of the day at the right time of day for you every day. Okay? So for me, it's 7 a.m. That's like the perfect time every day. So it buzzes me. Um, I get the verse of the day. I read it. I pray through it. And I invite God in. And I tell him, Lord, I'm going to trust you instead of worry. I'm going to trust you instead of anxiety and fear and all the things that are going on in the world. Those I've trusted them and they don't work for me. So I'm going to trust you. That's that's my goal in the morning. So I, I saw this verse and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. I read it in the message version. So it's really cool. So it was Hebrews 12, one through three. And it says this. Um, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. And what he's talking about is the previous chapter. So if you're looking for somebody who's going through what you're going through, Hebrews 11 is a great place because there's a bunch of people in there and they did all kinds of cool stuff. And I don't have time to explain all that. Just trust me. What he's saying here at this point is it because of the faith that they had, it means we need to Get on with our faith. We need to get on with it. It means we better, uh, we need to strip down and start running. Never quit. So when he's talking about strip down and start running, this is a passage that talks about the Christian faith in terms of uh, a, ru- a race. You know, running the race. You've heard that term, perhaps. Um, and and uh, when we talk about running the race, I mean, if you're not athletic, uh, that just sounds like a lot of work. So I, I get it. I understand. But, the, but think of it in this concept. People who run, who run races, they have to have, they have to do certain things, right? You can't, pizza is bad for you, okay? So you can't eat pizza. You have to, you have to strip down, start running, never quit, and then you gotta get rid of stuff, right? So you gotta dump the spiritual fat, which is uh, so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, all the Bible stuff in your head, you're running around pointing your finger at everybody, you gotta dump that. And you need to uh, get rid of, set aside any any sin that's in your life that's constantly pulling you down, draining you, um, and interfering with your. So that's kind of the pizza interfering you with being able to run. I didn't say pizza was sin. Okay, please don't quote me on that. Right. So you get you lose all that stuff. Now, now here is the thing. This is the thing that stuck out to me. The next section of the verse says, "Keep your eyes on Jesus." Who, who began and finished this race we're in. Okay, so he, he ran it and finished it. I can look and see what he's done and apply it because he's gone before me. He's run this before. It's fantastic as a runner or a rider, a cyclist, to talk to somebody who's already ridden the route before. Okay, so, but this was the phrase right here. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, so he's able to face all kinds of obstacles, like I'm facing obstacles now. He was able, and I'm not even at the cross yet, although if I screw up my mom's finances, my sisters might bring me to one. Um, You know, cross, shame, whatever. You can think about what Jesus went through, um, and now he's there in in the place of honor, right alongside. He finished this race, and he did a great job, and he made it. So when you find it, that the rest of the verse, when you find it yourselves flagging in your faith, you're struggling in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through 
And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So when I got out of this verse, it's very simple. It's like, hey, my method is right. I need to go to the Bible. I need to find somebody who's going through this. Hey, Jesus is awesome for what this is um, in terms of relatability. And I need to study how we did it. And I need to apply that to my life. And that's going to give me the adrenaline I need to get going. So that, that, that became the question. How did Jesus do it? Now, if you've been in church a while, one of the things you're thinking is, oh, yeah, he, he, you know, he had the Holy Spirit. He was God. Of course, he did well. You know, <laughs> OK, but I'm not dealing with what he's dealing with. And really, there's another verse in the Bible where Jesus says, you know, I did some cool stuff, but greater than this, greater than what I did, you will do. So I can't really use that as an excuse. I mean, it was a good one for, for a few minutes until I remembered that other verse. Now, you know, I'm stuck. I still have to live this. So, so what, I, what I remembered was a verse I had taught probably 10 years ago. And, and this is the truth, okay? Jesus had a secret weapon for how he dealt with all of what he dealt with. He had a secret weapon. And the, the fantastic thing is that it's something that we can apply to our lives. In fact, it's so simple that I was able to make it into a principal statement for us. And it's the core thing. It is a core concept that Jesus kept in his heart and mind at the forefront of everything he did that allowed him to do everything he had to do to be successful and not careen his life off a cliff. And I can use it. You can use it. We can use this in our lives. And if we apply it to our lives, if we start living this concept, putting it into our situations, into our daily life, I promise you, depression is going to go. Fear, anxiety, they're going to go. Despair will go. And hope, hope will be the thing that replaces all of that. And the, the statement is, he, he makes it in John 4:34. early in his ministry. He says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food. Food is nourishment. My nourishment. Jesus is saying, my nourishment is the thing that is going gonna, is gonna to get me through. The nourishment to go day by day, all, all through my whole life to what God gave me to do. My nourishment is simply that, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The message says it like this. It says, Jesus said, the food that keeps me going, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me and I finish the work he has started. Right? Oh, man, I, I understand the concept of a purpose statement in a, in a person's life. We've done mission statements. Businesses have mission statements. It's their guiding principle. It's, it's the thing that gets them through, you know, staying on track in their business with all the other things that can go on and derailing, you know. Like, um, I don't have time for that. There's, uh, um, I'll tell you. Okay, I don't have time, but I'll tell you. So, um, there were Coke. Remember when Coke did New Coke? 
right? It's terrible, right? There were people wanting to sue them because their sales dropped off because New Coke was an attempt at Pepsi, the whole Pepsi challenge. They, they were smart on that. They got them going. And, uh, and, and this guy came in to Coke and said, you know what? You've lost what's in the box. And they're like, what box? He said, look, here's a box. He drew a box. And he says, your product can be summarized and fits into this box. This is your thing. And if you lose sight of your, that this is what your thing is, you try to do something than other what you're supposed to do, you'll have situations like you have right now. Coke is an American tradition. He said, American tradition is your thing. And if you change it, you know, then they came out with original Coke, right? And all that, and then that slowly faded away. Now it's just Coke, and everybody's happy because we had Coke in it, except the Pepsi people. I don't know what's up with you and the <laughs> Pepsi, but... So, so anyway, that's an aside. So how can, how could I turn this thing into a principle statement? How can I turn this into a principle statement? And I realize that it, this is what it is. The principle statement is if you do the will of him, if I do the will of him who sent me and finish his work, I will be nourished. If I do the will of him who sent me and I finish his work, I will be nourished. That nourishment is what fades all of those other things. That nourishment is the thing that melts away fear and anxiety and those things. Because I'm nourished. Right? I am nourished. So the first thing you have to do then is you have to recognize that you're sent. So you can write that down if you're taking notes. You need to recognize that you're sent. Every person in here has a purpose, a God-given purpose. God planned you, he created you, and he put you here on this planet for a purpose. Right? You're, not here by, you're not here just to go to cliffs and hang out and have fun. God actually has a plan for your life, which may include some of those things. But he has a plan for your life. So the first thing you have to do is recognize that you're sent. Now, some of you... I know you're like, well, I can tune out because I know that you're not talking about me because my history, my life. Um, no, I'm sure that God does not have a plan or purpose for my life. I just want to tell you, you're lying to yourself if you believe that. And you are absolutely wrong about that. You're wrong about that. God has a purpose for every person here, every one of you. So you have to recognize. Now, okay, don't believe me. That's fine. We'll look at some verses. Okay, here's a well-known verse. I mean, if you haven't seen this or heard this in church, you've seen it in the promotional aisle at Walgreens. Um, it's Jeremiah 20:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's you. That's everybody in this room. God has a plan and a purpose for you. How about this one? Um, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He has a purpose for you. He wants to work in and through you, each one of you, to accomplish this purpose. God is an intentional God. You know, you know what happens when you don't have any intentionality? Nothing happens. You know, it just goes however it goes. God is intentional and he's intentional about you. How about this, okay? So maybe that's still a struggle for you. We were all given, as Christians, we were all given this commandment in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of Jesus Christ. You've heard that? Give me the next slide. 
All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely you, surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. It's a long verse, but the summary is, if you're a Christian, this is on you. You have a purpose. God has a reason for you to be here. So that's number one. The first thing is that, okay, but it gets harder than that for me in some ways because I'm, I'm trying to figure out, um, in, in my crazy busy, all of my stuff, how, how do I do the will of God? If I, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to know what that is when I see it. And Jesus also makes this statement. Um, it's a very powerful statement, but it tells us exactly the first step. So our second step. First, I've got to recognize I'm sent. And second, I need to be looking for where God is working. I need to be looking for where God is working. And, and Jesus says it. Jesus says it this way in, in, um, in John 5:19, he says, very, uh, very truly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do, can do, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father, his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. That fits that principle statement. It fits it. And if I am paying attention, I'm looking for where God is working, then I can, number three, step three, do what he is doing. So when things are going down with my mom in the hospital, and I mean, it's crazy, all this insanity, getting work calls, whatever, my thought process is that I am paying attention to what God is trying to accomplish in this horrific situation. I'm not freaking out. Um, because that's not going to help me, okay? If I freak out, flip out, get all mad, screaming at everybody, what does that solve? It gives me a sense of power. It, it allows me to feel like maybe I'm more in control than I am, because I really don't like being out of control. But how is that going to solve my problem? Actually, I'm just taking steps further toward careening my life off a cliff. It's not going to help me. So if I stay calm... And I start looking for where God is working so that I can do what he's doing, then I can see it. Okay, well, how do you see? I mean, I'm not sure I understand how you see God working. Well, here's an example. Okay, very simple example. Um, Eric, planning to start the Grove, right? Big thing. And he's got, I go over the paperwork with him. You know, we're kind of helping him with the editing and we're, we're reviewing it with him and talking it through. And I look at the budget. He's, he says, "Yeah, we got to raise 150,000 in nine months." <laughs> Are you out of your mind? You know, that's that's a crazy budget, man. But okay, we'll see if God is in it. And then what happened? So he starts talking to people and all this. And he's telling me, "Hey, so this much money came out." I'm like, "What? Yeah, yeah, we're at this." You know, and a few more months in, boom, they got a check for 20 grand. Then they got a check for 16,000 grand, thousand uh, uh, grand. That's awesome. 16,000. And uh, my wife's not in here, right? OK, so, um, you know, the money just kept ratcheting up. OK, what does that tell me? God's in it. 
So if God's in it, I want to be in that. Because if I try to start my own thing, I try to force a solution, I try to, to make things happen like they should, that will fail and it's on me. I'm doing it on my own. Okay, I'm not doing the will of him who sent me and I won't finish his work because it's not his work and I will absolutely not be nourished by that. Right? So that's something, that's kind of bigger. Right? That's something simple. Something smaller has been um, we're, we're trying to deal with the, uh, the, the issue. Um, we had this issue at work. I can use that one. We had this issue at work. We don't know what's wrong. You know, what happened, but it made a mess. We're trying to work with the business, try and clean up the stuff. And I'm, I'm looking. All right, Lord, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want out of this? So one of the people involved is somebody that I, I've been working to build trust with. I need her trust. She's a she's a, a big person on the financial side, and I need I, need, I really need because she hates IT, and I got to build trust with her. Well, she's involved in this, so I know that that you know God works at work with me. I mean, I don't know about you. It's not always it's not always necessarily about people gaining say, but this lady will eventually hear that I'm a pastor, and that I'm a Christian, and I need to demonstrate what that looks like, because. You know, I don't want to get labeled one of those Christians that, you know, everybody hates because she, she needs God, this lady. Well, she's involved. So I see that she's involved. I see it's really a hard situation. This is going to take impossible to solve because we really don't know what, what caused it. And it happened again. You know, so we had two, two events of this. No one knows how it happened in that. So I paused. I invited God in. I started looking for where God was working. And then I started doing what I saw him doing. Okay. She called me after we got through the major parts of this stuff and said, I'm so glad you were on the call. You were so calm in all of this stuff. And I really appreciate that. I just wanted to tell you that. Right. So God is working. Especially when I see impossible, I know God's going to be involved. So you can do that, right? You can look for where God's working and then do what he's doing. It's his work. It's not mine. It's not ours. We can join him in that. And I promise you, if, if you will do that, if you will do that, you will see a change in your life. You're fighting with anxiety, fear, depression, those things. When you pull back and say, oh, hey, God's working in this. What's he doing? Okay, I need to be. Who's the focus on? It's off of me and my self-pity and my struggles. And how am I going to cope with this? Is this my new normal? You know, how's this going to go? I don't know if I can handle it. Now, my, my whole focus is outside of myself. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, what are you doing? I want to, I'm here. You put me here. I recognize that I'm here, and now, okay, okay, oh, I know what I need to do. I should probably keep my head, and I should probably um, make sure that near name is glorified, right? Those are some very simple things that we can do. And if we do that, we'll change crazy busy to God busy, right? We'll change crazy busy to God busy, amen? And we can, we can have our lives so impacted by because this is Jesus' secret weapon. 
He used it really behind the scenes. He only mentions it that one and then the other time where I do what I see my father doing. That's it. But he used that purpose statement, that principle statement throughout his life so that he could succeed and we are redeemed. And really, I need to do the same. And if I will do the will of him who sent me and finish the work he's given me, and sometimes that's daily, sometimes it's a couple phone calls, it's also for my lifetime, I will be nourished. And I promise you, it'll happen for you. Because I've experienced it. I am nourished. I am nourished when these things happen. So my challenge for you this week Okay, my challenge for you this week is to take this principle statement. Hopefully you wrote it down. If not, here it is so you can write it down. Take this principle statement and apply it to one situation in your life. Okay? Just, just try it. Just try one area. Okay? I know all of you have, because you all agreed with me with Crazy Busy. I'm not sure. I mean, there's a multi-million dollar industry serving people energy, everything, because we're all too busy. And we all have this kind of stuff going on. Just one. Just try one area of your life and say, okay, this is more on the impossible side, because that's where Jesus starts. He starts with impossible. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply this to this area. Okay? Recognize that you're sent to that area. Start looking for where he's working and then start doing what he's doing. Set your stuff aside. Don't let worry drive you. Worry fails you every time. Right? Trying to get mad, get anger. Anger is going to give you a sense of power. It will. You're powerful in a powerless situation. But all you're, do- all, all you're doing is being a bull in a china shop and you're not helping your situation You're taking steps for careening your life off a cliff. Absolutely. So do it. Who's up for it? You guys up for the challenge? Right? Awesome. Praise the Lord. So that's our challenge this week. And I I wanted to, you know, I talked early on, I talked about, you know, being, um, if you're not a Christian, um, if, if you haven't made a commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, it's basically... You know, similar to um, being in a friendship, but it's more, it's, how do I describe that? Um, it's like saying, Jesus, will you come in and be the CEO of my life? Like, can, you, can you help me? Because this, what I've been talking about, this principle, if you'll apply it to your life, if you'll give your life to, to if you'll turn your life over to Jesus as your CEO, and so that he can help you, He can show you that you are absolutely sent. He can show you where he's working and and you can actually start helping and being a positive influence and bringing hope and peace and a positive future in the situations in your life. And it's a very simple process. If, If you want to participate, if you want to start that relationship with the Lord, um, it's a very simple process. We, we talk to God. We call it prayer. You've heard of prayer, I'm sure. We pray this prayer. And we ask the Lord to come in, we, Jesus to come into our lives, and we surrender our, our will and let him be the CEO of our life. And we invite him in. And it will absolutely change your life. 
And we have we have a book, Ten Steps Towards Christ. This is free. It's out on the thing. You can grab this on your way out and start reading it, trying to, you know, understand what it means if you if you choose to make that decision. We also have this. Uh, this is a Bible. And it's, you know, it's 2,000 years old, but it's relevant to me today. It's relevant for us today. It is. And this is free out on the counter if you want to. Um, actually, it's free. Those books are free to everyone, uh, not just if you make that decision. But I want to take a minute. We'll just, uh, you know, bow our heads and close our eyes so that we can just have some privacy. And if, you, if you're interested, you want to make a decision for Christ to, to turn your life over to Jesus let him be the CEO of your life. If you just raise your hand so I know. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Anyone else? Amen. All right. So we're going we're gonna to thank you. We're gonna, there are three people that raised their hands that I saw. We're going to take a minute, and uh, I'm going to walk you through this prayer. And really what you're doing, I mean, it's like making the phone call to say, hey, can you come? Come over, come into my life, get involved, and help me. And that's really what this prayer is. So if you'll repeat, everybody would just repeat, repeat this prayer after me, um, then we'll, you'll, you'll, we'll be able to start that relationship right now. So here it is. So, dear Lord Jesus, I want you to come in and be the CEO of my life. And I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. Jesus, forgive me of those sins. Make a difference in my life. I surrender my life to you. Asking you to be the CEO. In your name, amen.